Folks, yet again, Dan and I have traversed the plains of our wretched existence to bring you another update on the absolute worst in politics and pop culture. And we have a lot of ground to cover, including Russian Special Envoy Steven Seagal, the genesis of the Space Force, and the online banishment of Alex Jones, conservative conspiracist you love to hate, from YouTube and other social media platforms. In the pop culture corner, we're discussing Michael Moore's new documentary, Fahrenheit 11.9, the new popular Oscar, and the NFL's edition of Male Cheerleaders to America's third favorite pastime. For story time, I have a story to tell you about a suburban autocrat turned juvenile racist apologist. Check us out. It's The Plunge. Episode 33 of the Plunge Podcast. If you're new to the show, we dissect the depths to which our... I don't know, what, 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 what are we trying to do, Sam, these days? I don't even know anymore. We just... I say it every time. We're, we're the knife cutting through the nonsense. We're, we're, we're helping you bridge the, a path through this just fucking river of shit that our culture has turned into okay i have to bring this up right at the top of the show it's well known uh, to our listeners uh, that i work at sirius xm um <laughs> and today i was working on a uh show <laughs> that featured a commercial you don't know what the ad spots are going to be like until you're, you know, like that day or like two days before. So I didn't even know we were running this one. But Sam, proud to say uh, it was for a Trump like challenge slash achievement coin. <laughs> <laughs> challenge slash achievement. I don't what? know what sh- t- type of coin. It was definitely like a celebratory coin. It's the kind of coin, you know, like an old West movies where they like they bite the gold coin or whatever to tell if it's like genuine (laughs) you bite it and it just like crumbles into your teeth oh it's yeah it's not real silver and maybe it is i don't know do you remember the price point on it i did not take down that information damn well, you'll have to get back to us about that uh see if we can get them to sponsor this podcast (laughs) Oh, I have absolutely no problem with having absurdly heinous, you know, ad space. Obviously, sleeping giants will come for us, but I believe that it would be it would add to the humor of the show if you had ads for just like the stupidest things possible. All right. First off today, we're going to look at (laughs) Steven Seagal. (laughs) <laughs> Everyone's favorite action star uh, had a big, big week. That's right. He was apparently named by Vladimir Putin himself as special envoy to the U.S. in hopes of facilitating humanitarian ties between Moscow and Washington. Sam, I'm pleased with this because look at the man. He clearly <laughs> is a man of diplomacy, of action. If you don't know about the work of Steven Seagal, I guess 
more recently, it's definitely veered into this sort of like old man wish fulfillment sort of films where he's always just like breaking everyone's neck. He's always fucking like 20 beautiful women. <laughs> You're absolutely spot on. He's always like this old gun who everyone's like, you don't know what is going to happen when that guy goes off. And then he just, you, he'll wind up doing a bunch of like racially motivated crimes. And uh, yeah, it just goes from there. And he's always like smoking cigars in strip clubs these days. But I mean, Back in the day, he was, you know, an action hero in the 90s and above the law amongst other movies. But, of course, Dan, you want to get into some of his more recent exploits? I'm not big on his more recent movies, but his book, Shadow of the Wolves, I really enjoyed the excerpts I heard. But more recently... He has, in fact, been accused of sexual assault. Oh, sexual misconduct. Let's all right. Let's be clear. It's a uh, by Portia de Rossi, and the actress Juliana Margulies claims that in a hotel meeting with Seagal, the actor brandished a gun, but she fled before uh, any assaults took place. Yeah, that's that's not good. I think he's also pre- previously been accused of some some sex crimes, but either way, I mean, he's maybe that's why he's spending all of his time in Russia, <laughs> like oh, free from I guess the U.S. government's like watchful eye. Well, especially because the investigations have been turned over from the LAPD to the district attorney's office. So this uh, potentially, he needs the protection of the Kremlin to <laughs> avoid the charges. Well, of course, th- that's the real collusion happening here, folks. I mean, I mean that is like uh, way more heinous in a way than I think the election swinging or whatever vote hacking nonsense people are talking about. That's like not really verifiable. I I think that that's. That pales in comparison to, like, harboring a a known sex criminal. And, like, naming him ambassador. (laughs) It's just very strange. Yeah, giving him a job. I mean, it's also... uh, Steven Seagal, for all the listeners, they should know that these days he he heavily dyes his old man hair and facial, facial hair, his, like, goatee and stuff. But he also is always wearing these, I guess... What do you call that kind of, like silk the transition lenses no the the lenses but i'm his shirt what do you call that like oh i don't know like it's e- like East a asian a, like martial a, a, arts kimono, clothing. it's not, not a kimono <laughs> i was trying to avoid this exact situation where one of us said something <laughs> dumb like that either way um it, either way he's he's always appropriating this kind of like east asian garb <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a piece of shit Seagal uh you know he's utterly fucking weird and let's move on from Seagal to a story that I think this could change it all folks this is an inspirational branch the military (laughs) the Space Force Sam Space Force is going to be the next big thing, I think. Yeah, it's not a satirical movie from the 90s. It sounds like it would be, but 
it's not. It, uh, genuinely, Donald Trump wants to create a new branch of the military. Why didn't he just call this shit the Power Rangers? <laughs> yeah, like the Z soldiers or something. I mean, he wants a space force, a groundbreaking endeavor for the future of America and the final frontier. Of course, a bunch of psychologists will come forward and say, actually, the human mind is the final frontier. But he's recent, most recently... Someone on on his on the Space Force payroll or whatever has asked the su- Trump supporters to choose from six logos. Uh, one of them is just the NASA logo, but it's it's red instead of blue, and it says Space Force instead of NASA. Cool. All of these logos kind of suck ass, given that they're um, supposed to communicate this unbelievable kind of sci-fi achievement this space force you know it's obviously been updated from i guess like 30 years ago when ronald reagan's like senile ass was talking about the star wars i guess but the best logo i think is this one that's all red and it says mars awaits in the top like ominously and it shows like a spaceship landing on like an alien city is that one is actually i mean that's got my vote why don't we take Donald Trump and send him to space <laughs> and not bring him back? Ooh, got him. Resist, folks. And persist uh, in living on the Earth and not in space. Yeah, I am not surprised that Trump would use... I, I mean, is, this must be a provision of the increased military <laughs> budget that, that many Democrats voted yes on, right? Damn, I mean, I guess if the military is going to be blowing a ton of money, space is a good application of money. But I think they're already getting enough. They should just stop, you know, destroying other countries and stick to space exploration. And in a good way, I I prefer, I mean, I guess I would prefer the military do it than Elon Musk. I I don't know. It's definitely a lesser of two serious evils. Yeah, I guess I'd rather the Space Force than Musk because it's, you know, it's answerable to someone. <laughs> I mean, but, but but it is answerable to the one man, yeah. and it's fucking Trump. <laughs> sucks, this is it. it. This, is what, this is where we're at. Billionaires are battling it out over space. We're done, folks. Say goodbye to humanity. The logo that is my favorite just looks like a jester's hat. <laughs> I told you all of them are trash except for the Mars Awaits one. <laughs> yeah, I, I see which one you're talking about. This one, the Jester Hat one, also kind of looks like a sci-fi nose, but it's actually the the rocket plume of a tiny spaceship. All of these look like they were created by someone who d- like did acid in 1963. <laughs> yeah, that just sucks. This story really caught my eye the other day when Ben Shapiro offered. to have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez debate him. Now, Sam, when Ben Shapiro offers to debate you, do you owe him a response? For the record, we've talked about Ben Shapiro on this show. I mean, he's a minuscule troll of a man. He has uh, just—no one should have to speak to him, given the timbre of his fucking voice. But— just his core beliefs that are just inalienable to his personality and his 
style of arguing are so fucking heinous. I mean, he genuinely believes that, I mean, white society is more, I guess, culturally or like scientifically advanced than all other societies. And that gives them the right to like subjugate others. He's spoken in favor of settlements and claimed that Palestinians like living in sewage. He doesn't merit a response, even though he's kind of, posited as this you know great debater they're like he was a lawyer and now he writes awful books about nothing and and- his reputation is contingent upon this style of debate which doesn't follow any sort of rules other than keep talking until you make so many points that the person you are debating can't even refute them because you're just spitting words at them and it's the argument style of a fucking eighth grader, which makes sense because Ben looks like a fifth grader. Of course. And he, he kind of reminds me of Jordan Peterson in that way, where he's always like, no, well, have you considered? He, he's full of sophistries. Like, have you considered it from this way? And people are always like showing, uh, you know, Ben Shapiro does a sick burn and the sick burn is like, you think that you're trans? Well, I think you're not. Boom! It's it's never like a good. There's no logic or like high lawyering or like reasoning going on in there. It's just him kind of playing to people's already existing prejudices. So he offered ten thousand dollars to Alexandria Ocasio Cortez to debate him. And she responded to it and said, just like catcalling, I don't owe a response to unsolicited requests from men with bad intentions and also like catcalling. For some reason, they feel entitled to one. Yeah. Perfect burn. And uh, I think that settles that. (laughs) Yeah. As we've said, she's great at posting. It's one of the advantages. And she doesn't need to debate some like hacky pundit like Ben Shapiro She's got way better things to do. Yeah, she has to debate, like, actual politicians. She's an actual politician. Ben Shapiro's just, like we said, uh, I don't know, a guy who thinks that he's got a lot of bright ideas because it makes him feel like he's larger than he is. (laughs) I think he thinks he's really smart because his podcast makes a lot of money. That's true. And he does have, I mean, quite a following amongst people who don't think about things that clearly. So once someone... I guess, broaches the topic of logic to them. They're like, wow, that person is really smart. (laughs) Is he one of these conservative media figures who was, like, bought by a, like, billionaire old man conservative to, like... Like, is he, like, a Crowder type? Or, like, uh, I think Charlie Kirk is that way, too. Absolutely, all these... Toilet Paper USA. Yeah, and I don't know about Ben Shapiro. I do know he has been writing terrible, I mean, conservative books since he was, like, very young. I think he published his first book at, like, 19, which is, I mean, think about the kind of person who's writing, like, right-wing pulp novels, or not novels, but, what, pulp, like, nonfiction for... No, there was some novels, too. Chapo deconstructed one of his old novels that was just extremely embarrassing. It included a scene where a young black teen with a Bart Simpson shirt was murdered, and he, like, described how the blood, uh, like, (laughs) went on the Bart. It was so bad. That's disgusting. And... Anyway, uh, I guess, so another figure who's kind of like Ben Shapiro, someone who doesn't merit a response, is definitely someone who was banned recently by a bunch of the larger, I guess, 
media providers that are also tech companies and control quite a bit, like Facebook or YouTube. He's under attack. It's Alex Jones. This is like super complicated because there's been just so many takes and stories about this flying all week <laughs> that I think Sam and I just want to like break this down objectively. Yeah, there's a lot to consider here. So the the facts of the matter is that, I guess, like I said, Facebook, YouTube, and most of the websites that I think someone even posted like a, as a joke, they said he's not allowed to po- host on Neopets anymore. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of these, a lot of these uh, admittedly like massive companies that uh, like Facebook and Google together account for like, I think 70% of people get their news from those two sources, which is a, a staggering, uh, you know, number to throw out there. But either way, I think with Alex Jones, there's been this issue. People are trying to turn this into like a free speech first amendment kind of issue. When what we have to consider is that all these companies can easily argue that Alex Jones, who spreads wild conspiracy theories, like saying that the Sandy hook shootings didn't happen somehow. He's, out there saying these things that clearly violate their terms of service to some degree. So they have, as private companies, every right to block him from their media. They do this to people all the time. But because they do play such a large role in how his media is disseminated, people are calling it some form of censorship. And I think, Dan, we're both of the opinion that they're not arguing with the real issue there, which is the fact that these companies control so much media or or so much of what gets in front of people's eyeballs every day. These sort of like uh, monopolies, I mean, they profited off of Jones building an audience on their platform. Like they had a mutual relationship with him for a long time. And it's not something that you should blanket applaud because they have been complicit in all of this. And the InfoWars app is still on the Apple uh, App Store. Right, you can just go to his fucking website and like watch all of his videos if you're that fucking torn up about it. And I think the only reason this is getting so much scrutiny is because Alex Jones is so high profile and he's such like a a clickbait, I guess. This happens to left wing stuff literally all the fucking time. I mean, the we just we recently talked about how the uh, what is it the the second unite the right rally the for the anniversary of the Charlottesville riot that killed Heather Hayer. Um, is coming to D.C. You know, this Sunday. We're recording this in the middle of the week. And I, that the event that was supposed to run counter to that was taken down from Facebook. So people who are coming to Alex Jones's defense, I think, are frequently just... I think there's a maybe a, they should just look into what on their own side is happening because I think that has a little bit more substance than this idea that Alex Jones's speech needs to be protected terribly much. <laughs> I don't think you can argue with if he is terrorizing these uh, f- families of survivors of shootings and like uh, David Hogg and like the the kids parents in Sandy Hook who apparently they had to like move multiple times they've had to like live in anonymity right. to avoid these infowars lunatics you should not shed a tear for Jones. However, you should not applaud these companies too much because really they're responsible. 
Right. They they gave this guy this platform in the first place. I mean, he did all of this through their tech. And, I mean, when it comes down to it, it they sh- we all need to answer for the fact that only a few companies control so much of our media and the fact that, like, antitrust laws aren't enforced the way they used to be. And uh, I don't want to hear any of this any more of this like Jay Swee, Alex Jones shit, because I, like this idea that it's like a slippery slope. Like if they come for Alex Jones, they might come for us. The slippery slope is, you know, can be a fallacious argument. And I think in general, like you should, it's already happening to us. It's already happening to the left. So if it happens to Alex Jones too, that's, that's a peripheral thing. And that's its own beast. It's not really like you can't convince me that that's intrinsic to our struggle or anything. No, and I saw, I think it was Jimmy Dore, who's generally such a fucking idiot. He's left-wing, too. He's ostensibly, like, lefty, but he's a dumbass. Oh, sure, yeah. He he was saying that you can't ban Jones, and the only way to fight Jones is to create your own Facebook page that says, like, InfoWars, like, debunked, and to get as many followers, and it's like... What fucking universe are you living in? <laughs> That's the, yeah, I, this is the thing. Once like there are times when someone doesn't merit a response. If Alex Jones falls off the face of the earth, I don't think free speech as you understand it, which is just kind of a weird amalgamation of case law and like opinions and what passes and what people think more than anything that's like intrinsic or inalienable the way that like these constitution freaks would have you believe i mean it's just not really the be- the best use of your time to be sticking up for alex jones in this case although you also like you said should not be sticking up for the or cheering on the you know tech monopoly hell world we live in i don't know glenn greenwald was losing me a bit on this uh did you see any of his arguments he was pretty hardcore uh free speech on this dude i mean yeah he he got into it with someone on twitter who i think was in the right and the that person in question being shane bauer and um he, oh he's not, he, he's kind of an asshole from i mean is he he the is, mother jones guy case, yeah yeah i think no yeah i think he's right no yeah in this case he's uh correct but glenn greenwald and anger pulled out the fucking link to when the aclu defended those nazis and like skokie and i was just like oh come fucking on i mean this is just like the oldest like free speech absolutist shit that you can find and it's interesting to see these dissenting opinions on the left because i I don't know i think that there are legitimate like concerns uh, i i think uh from both sides as we've uh both as sides we've, uh, folks both sides. as we've illuminated here yeah many sides <laughs> lots of good people in skokie oh fuck <laughs> anyway i mean that's the politics world i think we're ready to move into the pop culture corner yeah let's start with michael moore it's happening folks september 21st Here's the trailer. It's Fahrenheit 11.9. I'm sick and tired of people telling me that America is the greatest country because we can whip your ass. I hate some of these people, but I'd never kill them. How do you deal with this? You're never going to be able to unsee what you saw. Try to impeach him. Just try it. You will have a spasm of violence in this country like you've never seen. 
Governor Snyder, I got some Flint water for you. When the operation of the machine becomes so odious, you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, and you've got to make it stop. If nobody's going to do it, then I got to do it. And I don't give a who you are. I'll fight you in the damn street right now. Okay, um, um, how the did this happen? The American dream is dead. Stop resisting. The president's powers here are beyond question. Ladies and gentlemen, the last president of the United States. Ooh, Sam. Michael Moore's coming in hot. <laughs> He's also coming in cold with the flint water via a fire hose being sprayed onto whose lawn? The Governor Rick Snyder of Michigan. You know, that's that's the kind of stuff Michael Moore should be doing. But at the same time, just dude, like He's saying like like this is the documentary that will bring down Trump. Like and he's like, I'm gonna show that he's a liar. Like, come on, man. No one's ever done that before. Because I know I'm gonna see this fucking thing and it's just gonna, it's be, gonna be so great. stupid. I know it's gonna be stupid, but it's gonna be very enjoyable because because purely because we agree with Michael Moore, like this is definitely a moment of weakness in us as us like uh, I guess intellectually honest people. At least I'm speaking for myself here. Like I like Michael Moore movies because I agree with them, even though I know there's like inaccuracies and it's misleading at times. And he doesn't need to be like a, a, a costing like Charlton Heston at his home or whatever. But either way, I you know <laughs> I still agree with them with the viewpoint, so they're enjoyable to me from like a struggle session like viewpoint. I agree with you to an extent, but I will say having revisited several of his older movies in the last like year it's uh <laughs> they're not as good as when you were you know 11 years old oh yeah i mean like when we first saw fahrenheit 911 you know the predecessor it was in the darkest days of the bush years and that movie that documentary was dangerous but now michael moore is like a a laughing stock um I would like to defend Dan against all allegations that he looks anything like Michael Moore. <laughs> They've come up before. I have been told I look like Michael Moore, that he is my doppelganger. Oh, you know, I do have a Michael Moore story from from Sirius. Uh, he was doing a town hall event to promote the Where to Invade Next film. I think that was his last movie before the uh, Trump land, Michael Moore in Trump land, like one man show, piece of shit. Oh, my God. I don't know. He was so weird. I, I went up to him and I was like, hey, I grew up like really liking your movies. And, uh, you know, it's nice to meet you. And he looked he looked like I was speaking a, a different language. He, he was. I Michael was like, Moore thought he was looking fuck? at a mirror. No. <laughs> he was just like, what? No, they've cloned me. I knew this day would come. Yeah. And he just snuck out of there and then started and turned his camera on and was like. I think I just saw myself. Oh, man. Um, Where did we all go wrong? <laughs> Back in Flint, Michigan. 
<laughs> you know you're going to be hearing us review Fahrenheit 11.9 next month, so get excited, folks. Hell yeah. I mean, Dan, would you vote for, preemptively vote for 11.9 as the popular Oscar? Uh, all right, I, I have a soft spot for the Oscars. I don't know why. I enjoy watching them. I watch them every year. It, it, it's just let me have this, Sam. You sound like a dying man. They have this horrible <laughs> category. I am a dying man. You're just groaning under late capitalism. You're like, Give, let me please have the Oscars. You know, it's shitty. I often disagree with the movies they choose, but the Oscar, the like Academy announced that they're going to add a best popular film Oscar at the ceremony this year in addition to a few other announcements like saying that it's going to be a rigid three-hour ceremony and here's here's why it seems from everything i've read that they chose to do this the sagging ratings of the ceremony have been like steadily on the decline for a while now right so they think if they add a category of you know, what essentially boils down to Disney films, these are going to be, like, big budget, like, Beauty and the Beast-esque, you know, like, the remake. Like, just wrinkle in time, these huge, like, big budget Disney movies and Marvel and Star Wars. And that's going to be their category where it really seems like uh, an effort to get eyeballs where I think it'll just completely backfire because no one's going to give a shit anyway. Except for the people who, like, are going to hate it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that, I guess, whatever movie wins, people will still be, like, pissed about it. I don't think it's going to... And it'll also be, at the same time, disrespected as kind of not a real Oscar. You know what I mean? Right, uh, like, I read an article that said, well, if uh, I, you know, if it had existed last year, it probably would have been Get Out. But Get Out should have won the main award. Have you ever seen the Jerry Seinfeld bit where he accepts some award and he just jokes about how awards are stupid? It's just a bunch of people congratulating each other for some shit. Let's drop that in right here. I want to be in the back over there somewhere over there saying something funny to somebody about what a crock this whole thing is. (laughs) And I I don't want to give you the wrong impression. I don't want you to think that I'm not honored by this because I, I am. I feel very, very honored, and it's, but it's just that awards are stupid. <laughs> Every real estate office has some framed five-diamond <laughs> president's award thing by the desk. Every hotel check-in has some gold circle service thing. Every car salesman's a platinum jubilee winner. And, <laughs> It's all a big jerk-off. It's, it's, it is. The hotel sucks. The real estate person is stupid. And the only thing the car salesman is good at is ripping you off. And why? Because awards don't mean a goddamn thing. Yeah, I, I do think, like, there's some truth to that. I don't even like Jerry's stand-up that much anyway, but he, I, I think, cuts to it where it's, only a big deal because you think it's a big deal like dan said it's just he just likes it (laughs) like if you don't like the oscars just you know we can break free there's no reason for people who disagree with the oscars to then like 
vent their rage by voting for some like left field choice. I, I feel like this is just going to flop. It also just seems like a way to jam like technical awards into the commercial breaks. Mm, yeah, that's true. I thought the whole fun of it was kind of seeing like people from all facets of the production get recognized. I, I don't know. And it's, yes, it's all snooty bullshit. I acknowledge that. But folks, we all have our, we all have our weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you're not on trial for liking the Oscars. This is a safe space. But I mean, what's not a safe space was definitely the environment that birthed the Oscars. I mean, it was predicated on just breaking unions and, you know, cheap labor. Yeah, I caught this the other day. So Louis B. Meyer, who was the West Coast chief at Metro-Goldwyn-Meyer, was profiled in Vanity Fair, in which it basically talked about how he wanted to be able to work the film like laborers to, you know, just uh, round the clock, three shifts a day, and wanted to fight the union so he created this ceremony and like the academy of motion picture arts and sciences in order to create this sort of image of hollywood as a quote delightful and thrilling (laughs) wonderful place i like this element of it where (laughs) they needed to create this like like gentility this like distinction this classy like sort of thing so they called it the academy of motion picture arts and sciences because the arts and the sciences as they say in this article made it sound like the academy had always been there arranged by god and harvard and albert einstein (laughs) i think it's funny how the librarian to the academy said that the oscar just it was like named because it just looked like her uncle oscar is like one of the stories that came out about it yeah so what did you make of the like union busting tactics is this is this like surprising that kind of this unregulated new industry was like that no i mean i think we've always known that the labor practices in Hollywood, even at some of the upper echelons, are fucking dog shit. I mean, that's they, Hollywood's basically been on trial for its, you know, sexual deviancy in the last few years. And I guess uh, this is, shouldn't surprise any of us. I mean, the origins of the industry aren't great, just like any other industry in like the 20s or 30s that was being formed. Yeah, so the Academy was essentially formed to handle the labor problems without the union being created. And it was essentially just pumping out this like ridiculous PR about like the glamour of Hollywood. Yeah, and I mean, Mr. Meyer was definitely like an anti-communist and really hated the idea of like workers organizing. It was just sort of a, I know, a bit of an ideological thing as well another hollywood story what's what's going on with this walk of fame star sam so for like the umpteenth time i mean people who have no respect for our president have defaced donald trump's hollywood star which or defaced the president's hollywood star can you imagine that dan can you imagine that is your president like yours (laughs) <laughs> I grew up thinking also that like if you tried to 
deface anything to do with like the president in any capacity. The Secret Service would just beat the shit out of you. Well, you know how they get these Walk of Fame stars, right? They pay for it. I want to say it's like $30,000 to get your star on the Walk of Fame. Yeah, I, I've always been wondering about this. I'm like, what is the reason for these stars? What ordain? It was like a, a housing or, or the the city just voted on having them, right? Yeah, I think there's a separate council who I think it's treated almost like like a parks department thing. But I, we might be wrong about that. And we didn't look it up, folks. <laughs> I looked it up, but I forgot. Anyway, the the city has recently decided that Trump's, you know, star should be taken down just permanently because Trump sucks, number one. But also, I'm sure because they're sick of, I guess, people defacing it or like walking through West Hollywood with like sledgehammers. And honestly, he's not a fucking star. He's just like a, a guy <laughs> who like borrows a lot of money. <laughs> and I guess it, like that's kind of an interesting reckoning point. I mean. If you make the transition from being like an actor or being an, an entertainment guy to being like a politician, do you lose your status as an entertainer or like do you keep it? I mean, what happened to Reagan? I don't know. Did, does Reagan still have a star? Did he ever have a star? These are the questions that we just couldn't possibly answer. Obama <laughs> surely the- will get a star after his Netflix <laughs> films where he plays like a spy or like. You know, he does, like, a, his own version of BoJack Horseman. <laughs> oh, man. The Bar- Barack Horseman. Uh, <laughs> oh, Reagan, I think, still has his star. Damn. And uh, actually, I uh, saw this newest news was that a street artist put up dozens of new Donald Trump stars on the Walk of Fame. <laughs> so... I mean, honestly, if you're not defacing Ronald Reagan's Hollywood star, like, can we get on this? I think we could, you know, we this might be a, a, a cause that someone out there can take up, just getting the second president with a Hollywood star or the only remaining president with a Hollywood star to lose his Hollywood star. I feel like conservatives would really, uh, they would lose their heads over that. I mean, not to mention like Bill Cosby's is still out there. (laughs) Everyone was like pissed at the Chapo guys for taking a picture with it. (laughs) I mean, that's funny, but I I guess I can see why people would find it in bad taste. Either way, I mean, once again, sort of like our read on Hollywood. I mean, obviously a lot of great accomplishments, but maybe we can like transcend this outdated Mode of thinking and mode of, like, labor, you know, relations. Anyway, uh, the MAGA heads would explode if they lost Reagan as well. But I think they're already going to explode because the NFL is going to have male cheerleaders for the first time ever. Gasp. (gasps) Thank you. I can't believe that this precious league of mine, (laughs) one where the men's brains are turned to mush i mean you know what i'm not gonna shit on cheerleading it's probably a great way to pay the bills but let's start with this george w bush was a cheerleader in college that's one of the most humanizing things i've heard about george w bush in a a way so it's interesting yeah the maga heads are not going to be happy about this i mean between the kneeling and the this is gonna really bother some people yeah, it seems like they're already, I guess, some men, they have, like, sp- some of the teams have stunt men 
which I guess would be acceptable. But some people, three men, will be following the same exact routine as the female dancers, which seems like less revolutionary than it, it sounds. But obviously to people who are like way, way more close-minded than us, this is going to be a, a big deal. And I feel like I haven't seen much of people reacting to it yet. So I feel like when the bomb finally hits, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a big one. Everyone on the sideline is going to take a knee until... <laughs> this is sorted out jeez i mean it sucks to be the first of anyone to do or, or to do anything and uh i guess all solidarity with the first male cheerleaders in the nfl it seems like a, I mean it's a physically demanding sport like you said i feel like that's a rough way to make a living but i mean if you're good at it then maybe it's very rewarding who knows yeah. i'm only saying that because i don't like sports of any kind I'm sure that there's a lot of injuries, but at least you're not getting concussed uh, as much as the NFL uh, football players. Are the cheerleaders allowed to take a knee? I'm sure that some have, but, you know, not if they work for certain teams who donate to Trump. They might uh, have a problem with that. (laughs) Well... As MAGA chuds feel conflicted about the women they pine after in a creepy, voyeuristic way, so too do we have the story of the worst song ever. Hey there, Delilah, what's it like in New York City? I'm a thou- Hey there, Delilah. Yeah, apparently it's being turned into a scripted romantic dramedy. Fucking everything is a dramedy these days. Obama's a dramedy. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to star Barack Obama? No. (laughs) Um, All right, we all know this annoying song and the fact that this song was written by uh, kind of a creep, Sam did uh you check out that story yeah apparently the the song kind of ruined the woman's life to a degree uh the subject of the song who wanted nothing to do with the plain white tees band member who wrote the song tom higginson (laughs) they always have a name like that he was kind of stalking her she wasn't interested in him and was dating someone else at the time. And obviously it was odd to all of a sudden everywhere you go hear this fucking song about you. Yeah. It becomes almost like uh Orwellian in a way. Like it's following her just everywhere. She, no matter where she goes, she just hears like this fucking, uh, I guess, Almost like the cat calls me- referenced earlier. This dude that she does not hey want any there, attention Delilah. from. <clears throat> hey there, Delilah. What's it like in New York City? I'm a thousand miles away, but girl, tonight you look so pretty. Yes, you do. I can't <sighs> do more. God, of all the songs that follow you around. Yeah, I-, I mean, I always hated that song, but now that I'm aware of the backstory, it's only gotten worse. Ugh, Times Square can't shine as bright as you. I swear it's true. Uh, you know, you hear the song a million times when you read it. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Shut up. 
Well, yeah, great moments in uh, mid-2000s songwriting, I guess. Yeah, but they're bringing this into a fucking TV series. It's like, it's amazing, like, what ideas, like, rise to the top of, like, the shit pile. I mean, yeah, or, yeah, what is the audience for a song that came out, like, 12 years ago that I think most people who remember it dislike it to at least some degree i guess it's just another example of like easy intellectual property that you can just mold however you want you know it's not it's a pretty vague like okay we can just do any sort of dramedy tropes we want yeah i mean i guess people did think it was like a narrative epic you know when it first came out i guess anyway we are done with the pop culture corner and Sam, I want you to tell the story this week. All right, folks. This one is a throwback. It it happened when I was 12, but the purpose of this story is not to make fun of like my fellow 12-year-olds. The subject of this story is a fully grown adult, which is why it's a good one. Uh, there was this kid, and I'm not going to name him, obviously, but... He he was like me. He was a white man or white kid at the time. And uh, like the rest of us where we grew up, we played basketball on the court. And I, playing basketball when, you, when I was 12, I think like at least where we grew up, it was like 50 or percent or more like Korean guys. And I, I guess the, the my fellow white man on the team, like he was – he wasn't doing well and he was upset about it. So he just came out and started like, he hurled some, you know, slurs that I didn't even know because I wasn't old enough at the time. Or I mean, I guess you should never really be like old enough to hear slurs, but son, when you're older, I'll teach you the slurs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was firmly told when I was like, eight not to say anything resembling a racial slur or else I would get beat up, which I think was good advice in retrospect. But I, in this case, this, my, this other white guy just comes flying out with the, these slurs and like insults people. He's telling people to like go back to Asia. And I remember like the rest of them just kind of didn't really care that he was flipping out. And I think a bunch of people just started ripping on him for being like fat, which I mean, admittedly not nice, but <laughs> this had like a profound, this is some white fragility. It had a profound effect on him and he just like started crying. <laughs> well, you know, when you're being racist, I-, I think you don't want to receive a response. I guess you so. just want to be able to like dominate the situation with your, epithets and it does i guess belie his idea that he is somehow like racially superior or that like they're different racist thing to make fun of i guess by calling him like like he is obviously a bad example of his race if he really thinks it's a better one but either way uh he starts crying and i guess they called his parents and one of his parents was a police officer and his dad flipped the fuck out and this is why it's funny because obviously like this is just children being awful to one another on the playground but the dad i remember like at least like nine people ended up in the principal's office like those nine of us who were like playing basketball and they all i guess 
we were gathered around and his dad was like flipping out and demanded like he was claiming he was going to sue the school for like verbal assault against his child who was the kid who had like hurled racial slurs like the fact that that had happened just wasn't even up for debate the fact that this like fucking suburban autocrat was like yelling and in in front of these school administrators and like overshadowed everything how do you think this plays into the coddled millennial narrative (laughs) it's one thing for your teacher for your parents to show up and berate your teacher because your grades aren't good enough but when when he's doing it uh with like criminal criminal charges in mind for you know excusing his son's racist behavior just you're i mean you gotta wonder where his head's at yeah, and also suburban parents-teacher interactions must generally be pretty torturous. But that one sounds particularly bad. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've always remembered that because I just remember the stark... Even when I was like 12 year old, years old, all I could think was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, there's no... Even at like 12 years old, I was like, there's no uh, equivalence to be made. Like you said something very racist and then they just counted like you're overweight and you should run, go away. I mean, obviously like interactions like that happen too much at on playgrounds and, you know, middle schools across the country. But... At any rate, at that time, I still could recognize it. It was fucking ridiculous. I honestly do, like, I do think sometimes, what if I was, like, really young when Donald Trump was president? And, like, what kind of shit would you hear in that sort of environment of people who don't have, like, developed opinions about things? And just, like, there must be some awful shit being said in the last, like, year or two. I mean, yeah, because we grew up after 9-11, but they grew up after Trump. And, like, I, I don't know. It's out there in a more, I guess, public way. Racist, racist stuff is, like, out there in a much more public way than it was, I guess, maybe in the early 2000s. I mean, we're talking in extreme relatives here. But I think they they have, like, a vocabulary for it. Like, they're out there talking about it. And they, I, I mean, you we've talked about the MAGA teens descending on the nation's capital over the summer. I mean... It's out there. I mean, there are, like, lots of middle schoolers who think this is, like, edgy. I just wonder what was going through the dad's head. Like, did he just not know of his son's use of racial slurs? Or was he... Maybe this dad was being earnest. Like, my son has been told these large breasts. Like, what will you do about this? I don't know. From his reaction, that seemed unlikely because he he was just bloviating and like trying to make a scene. It was very like, can I speak to your manager to like a degree? Like, ma'am, I'm a I'm a I'm an officer of the law here. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, it just it read as like disingenuous even at the time, and given like the flagrancy of it and the fact that we he did hear the school's explanation, which was like they did your son said stuff as racist uh he still he was just trying to make a scene i don't think he had any like actual legal framework on which to like sue a school unless he was like gonna hire some kind of like hack attorney to try to you know take that case to court it doesn't make any sense like he was just trying to i guess puff out his chest it was obvious from the circumstances well i'm sure that he settled for a hefty sum i don't 
think he made any money off of it. I think they just eventually like <laughs> really calmed down. He uh you know came down off of whatever like he was tripping on uh whatever power game he was playing and uh I guess I haven't heard from him since. I hope not to. And uh just a little snippet of growing up in like post 9/11 like North Jersey. And that is the show, folks. It's The Plunge. If you want to follow us, check us out at plunge underscore podcast on Twitter. I'm at Spaventacular, and Sam is at Wagstank. Sam, I I think we delved into a few important issues today. And, you know, I feel weird that I admitted that I enjoy the Oscars. (laughs) Well, I can forgive you this, your guilty pleasure. I mean, I wish I tried to turn Steve Seagal, who we started off the show with, into a guilty pleasure, but it didn't take like, you know, I like Jean-Claude Van Damme. I like the Predator movies. Like there are a lot of like trashy kind of like 90s action movies that I really like. But Steve Seagal, I just it was all very tawdry. I also think a lot of his movies are kind of exactly the same, but <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's neither here nor there. He but even like the original, there are a lot of people for whom that is true. But even their original was not compelling, like the you know above the law or whatever. Folks, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud if uh, you need another place to listen to the show. I'm happy to throw it up there. Just let me know. Yes, and and Dan, they can find you in, on the satellite radio, but soon you'll be forced to contend for uh, with for aerospace with you know the space force. More like the space farce. <laughs> oh, got him! Second time I've done that. I think I just destroyed them, folks. I just eviscerated Mike Pence, Donald Trump, and the space force. You are the Luke Skywalker of our days. I have been saying that the Space Force cannot possibly be worse than Solo was. Even The Last Jedi. (laughs) I can't imagine that the Space Force thing will turn up any extraterrestrial life. But if it does, you know, that would be that would be something. The Space Force will come back with, like, Michael Moore with another, <laughs> with the Eleven Nine documentary, which definitely is, like, extraterrestrial and its level of weirdness. I love how it just had, like, again, like, we're huge fans of her, but why is Alexandria in there? Like, it's just, like, it just seems like it's going to just be, like, a sizzle reel of, like, <laughs> big news moments from the last couple of years and then... Michael Moore is going to be like, can you believe it when you look at it all at once? It's just crazy. We can't let him get away with that. I guess that's true. But I guess also in f- as far as like uh, documentary filmmakers that have like his level of like profile, he is like a little further to the left, even though if he's not like the best representative, like for every Michael Moore, there's like 12,000 conservative pundits who have like the same amount of like viewership and are just fucking like disasters. Dinesh. Yeah, exactly. We've talked about so many on this show. Well, 
again, you know, for how much we shit on Michael Moore, we're going to see that we're going to movie pass the shit out of that. Oh, we forgot to have a movie pass. Let, let's do that right now. <laughs> OK, hey, hey well, the show's not over, folks. So, Sam, it's a twofer in case you're still listening is for like it's like the encore, you know, the, like lame people leave the concert, but then the band keeps going with like the really good shit. Yeah, you don't turn this show off before the plugs, folks, because, Sam, what do you make of the latest moves by the MoviePass Corporation? Okay, so I don't even have MoviePass, but I got it as a gift for somebody, which means I get forwarded, like, emails from the, I guess, management. And this most recent one, it's it says, Dear MoviePass members... First and foremost, I want to personally apologize to each of you for the inconsistencies and unreliability of our service over the past few days. Additionally, I regret our lack of proactive communication with you during this time. We were working God, hard. Jeez, <laughs> groveling. I know. Like, but he's like just like shoveling like every week, shoveling water out of like a dying like boat. Like he's just. Uh, this is how can this last? You cannot just buy movie tickets for people and make money from it there's no way yeah i think a good metaphor is like the you know ship with a leak in it and he's just bailing water and he's like guys i got a bigger bucket this time so now you're only allowed to see what three movies a month for 10 bucks a month which still it means operating at a loss that's not them like making a killing on this idea and you can say that it's revolutionized the movie business and certainly helps the box office scores of some stuff this year which is great wonderful but i don't know just the idea that it's like a sustainable system is ludicrous <laughs> by any reasonable measure obviously one can it doesn't take a genius to say that you can't just sell people stuff for less than you you know paid for it because it doesn't make any sense it's just hilarious that this venture capital thing just poured money into this so we could all see movies for cheaper i mean maybe this is something we can get into is like left-wing i guess app development where you just design stupid apps that are designed to like take a bunch of money from like venture capitalists and like redistribute it amongst like average people i mean that is like kind of the net effect of uh movie pass which is okay (laughs) Yeah, and that's why I still subscribe to it. I, I I think if you're, I mean, if you're living in an urban area, especially in like New York City, where it's like seventeen dollars sometimes for a movie ticket, it's definitely you know you go if you do one out once a month, it's fine. And people got so upset when they said you couldn't see like first uh, opening weekend for like huge blockbusters, and it's like, were you movie passing that anyway? People seem to really get uh, extremely irate online and just like everywhere about like movie every glitch in movie pass instead of realizing that it's like as I saw someone write a uh, fire hydrant in the summer that is open and that no one's closed yet so just enjoy it while you can Oh yeah I'm totally like here for the ride I, like i said i don't even have it i just like getting the emails i use you know some either tr- other trickery to get cheap movie tickets but we, everyone's got to have their own little hustle for the, this sort of thing and i appreciate what movie pass is doing i mean it's giving movies that like you said in like any eastern city are like 16 fucking dollars uh it's making them affordable for the people and that's a good thing yes it is and we will 
be using Movie Pass to see Gotti in its inevitable return to theaters. I mean, I think that's like the only thing you're allowed to see on it now. Like, are you able to see anything that you actually want to see with Movie Pass anymore? I wonder if there are more restrictions than ever. Like, you're only allowed to see Death of a Nation <laughs> and like something that was out like months ago, like Hereditary. Oh shit! No, what we do to get some audience for the show is make the plunge. Like we'll make movies and then get on Movie Pass with like plunge original movie content, and then people will somehow see the they will operate at a loss, obviously, but someone will see it. Well, the Koch brothers will inevitably fund our venture, so <laughs> it's just a matter of time. That's true. That's honestly where my politics lie. Everyone knows that's that's the case. And I think that if you think of MoviePass like a real company and like try to like call customer service and like make demands, like you're just not really you're not really like getting what it's like. It, it's it's so stupid, but you got to just enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe I'm being a little bougie, but, like, it's, like, fucking $10 a month. <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> You're just spending on, like, a hot dog or something stupid. I mean, you might as well just enjoy the ride and get what you can out of it. Any final thoughts on this corporation or anything else you went over today? I guess we all know that for the popular Oscar, we will be voting absolutely 100% for... Gotti. I was going to put a Fahrenheit eleven one or eleven nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's going to become a whole conservative like to do is uh, the uh, liberals are swinging the popular Oscar and making liberal movies win. And for some reason, Death of the Nation didn't win popular uh, <laughs> popular Oscar this year. Also, it would be unfortunate if. Dinesh D'Souza doesn't also get his own Walk of Fame star. (laughs) Yeah, a true icon of the big screen. All right, folks, that's The Plunge again at Plunge underscore podcast. And follow us on Twitter. Sam, where can they follow you? Uh, At Wagstank is where I put all of my musings. And I'm at Spaventacular, and we will see you later. Bye-bye.